Welcome in to the 8x80 podcast. Austin Ham, Tyler Smith here, and we got plenty to get into. Obviously, still rolling on through our district preview series, but Smith, we kind of did this in the middle of last week's show when the big Carter Nelson to Nebraska news dropped, but we had another eight-man Power 5 commitment hit this week in Tanner Hollinger from Cross County, the tight end committing to the fighting Illini committing to Brett Bilma and Illinois. And it just kind of got you and I talking through, We and we settled some of these names last week too, but just talking through some of these different guys, you know, these high-level recruits that we've seen already ink there, or not ink, I suppose, we're still in just the commitment stage of the process, but then talking about some of the other guys that we think might be able to, you know, come down the pipe and play next level, the kind of more obvious candidates that we've seen around the state and it's just uh, we mentioned it last week I mean this feels like an incredibly deep time in terms of you know collegiate talent playing eight-man football yeah it's kind of wild to see all the different eight-man guys going to the d1 level and uh the upper d1 level I mean we've got three alone that are going to uh the big 10 um you got Tanner Hollinger who committed this past week to Illinois like you talked about um Isaac Dickey also from Krause County at the fullback position took a preferred walk on to Nebraska. Um, and they might actually have another guy that can go play next level. I'm not sure what kind of division next level in Alex Noid. Um, but he's from what I've heard, their best defender and it's not close out of those three. And those are three guys, three guys or two guys, at least that are going to the big 10. So, uh, where does Alex go is a big question. Um, Carter Nelson, who we talked about going to Nebraska. And then you've also got Riker Evans, who, was a verbal commit to Air Force, um, and actually Air Force is getting a lot of a lot of different Nebraska kids to commit out there. Um, Rikers out of Highline, super fun runner to watch. Um, he's got some really sweet highlights where it's really good body control, always going north and south. I mean, if if you've got a real kind of elusive back and you're a coach, um, pull up some Riker Evans tape because he's it's kind of textbook at times how he runs, using his wiggle and staying north and south. Um, but yeah, we started talking about some different guys who might be going next level, um, maybe not to the big 10, but next level G pack, or maybe some D two, um, some guys that I kind of came up with were like Spencer Hilly, who's been a track stud. And we've seen how that translates for Carter Nelson, kind of getting some looks, um, Spencer out of, uh, Plainview. Um, you got Brody Cruzmark, who's also another big time track guy, actually bigger than Riker Evans in terms of stockiness. Um, so he maybe he's looking at kind of next level doing track and football combo. Um, you got Lane Warrior over here in Bloomfield, who's got the frame as a, a good big outside wide receiver. He's kind of getting some hype lately. Um, yeah, I mean, you you brought a bunch of names to the, to the list. So I'll let you kind of roll with but those are some of the guys that I just kind of thought off the top of my head could definitely go play next level. Yeah, some of the guys that have just kind of caught my eye. I mean, Jackson Kirkle at Dundee County Stratton, he's a guy who, from a frame standpoint, looks like if he he's he could really add some weight and be an impact edge defender, another another guy that might have a chance of sneaking into the bottom ends of the Division One conversation. Uh, Jackson Roberts, Brecken Erickson at North Platte St. Pat's, those guys are pretty known commodities, just being able to play in a larger city, even there that they're down in Amen, they've been able to build a little bit more of a name for themselves. Uh, Rio Raymond, another de- really talented defensive lineman. He's 
part of the reason I'm so such a big fan of South Loop coming this season. And then there's a couple of guys that I'll get into in the district that I did for today, and that's Trey Appelt and Tragen McNally from Ainsworth. And they're they're just really interesting from the standpoint of obviously they're kind of the next guys up at in that um, Ainsworth program along with Carter Nelson. But, I mean, Trey Appelt last year just being his first year playing football in high school coming off of cross country, he's already, you know, really – has shown some great athleticism, great frame, and that's not terribly surprising if you were following some of his other some of his other exploits throughout his high school athletic career as a freshman and sophomore. But to step in and play as well as he did, and now you're talking about two guys that I know have both taken a visit out to Shadron. So a couple of guys that by the nature of being the teammate of the guy who's such a highly touted recruit like Carter Nelson, they're getting more eyes on the program and you're getting guys that maybe not may not have gotten the attention that they would have. And now you've got a couple of guys that are legitimate D2 caliber recruits coming through that program as well. So just, I mean, you look up and down that list and it's just really, really cool to see. Um, it's cool to see just the national level that recruiting in general takes now. So you're seeing guys go a lot more places. You know, you think about Air Force reaching in that I think was... I think it was an Elkhorn South kid that I saw committed to them today mm -hmm. for the name, but I know I remember I saw the guy as well. And I mean, obviously you've got your preferred walk on fullback to Nebraska and Isaac Dickey. That's just an absolute classic one. The top guy in the state, Carter Nelson coming from a small town going to Nebraska, but then, you know, a guy, a three-star guy like Hollinger going out to Illinois. And then you talk about just the different, places that we could see all these other guys wind up it's really really fun and it's part of the reason you and I have so much fun just diving into all this yeah and uh if, if maybe the tides kind of went a different way and uh Carter Nelson maybe didn't commit to Nebraska maybe went somewhere else um I wouldn't have been surprised if Nebraska went after Hollinger just as hard after seeing the eight-man tape of uh Carter Nelson and kind of seeing the buzz that's been following Tanner around I, I wouldn't have been surprised if they kind of reached that direction if if nelson would have went a different way i'm excited for when uh nebraska gets to play illinois it'll be fun to get to watch two cross county kids suited up in the the different colors going against each other um but i'm just really excited for all the kids getting recruited i mean i love to see kids uh pursue their passions of football um and any sport really for that matter at the next level i know you and i were both college track athletes and so it's it's nice to see kids kind of follow their passion at the next level yeah, and I think both you and I both we had very, we we went different places and everything, but I think we would both look back at college track and say, yeah, worth doing. College sports worth do. I and I've said this to kids for a long time. Like, listen, if you enjoy the sport and you can make it work from a financial standpoint, because that's part of the math when you go into a GPAC school in some of those places. But if you can make it work, it it can be the best thing in your life. Because I mean, look at look at when you and I each got married. Oh yeah. 70 plus percent of the guys were guys that we had ran with in either high school or college. That's if not more, yeah. I think mine was entirely, think, mine, mine was literally college guys plus you like that was it. I think I had one, one non teammate maybe. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so, yeah pretty, pretty loaded up. I mean, we, it's kind of, kind of build relationships that last forever. Mm -hmm. We be we believe in what college sports can do for your social life. We believe in it being a great experience. So that's why we get so jacked up watching these guys have the opportunities that they do to go play at the next level, regardless of where it is. But 
like we said, big time recruiting. There'll probably be plenty more. We're going to be keeping an eye on all of those guys because if you get into those lower levels, the recruiting just slow plays a little bit more. So there'll be news breaking probably throughout the fall and even in the winter on those guys. So we'll be doing our absolute best to keep track of all that. But Tyler, let's just get into D17 because this is a uh, district that I got a chance to see in the playoffs last season with their top team in Riverside. But beyond that, there's just there's some really interesting teams that, you know, maybe was a good ex- exercise for you and I in terms of like, oh, this is teams you need to learn a little bit more about. Yeah, this is a district outside of really just Riverside. I really didn't know a ton about. So this was good, good practice for me. Uh, it was actually a really challenging district. Um starting off with Riverside at number one in the district. Uh, They went 4-0 inside the district, 9-2 overall in the season. Um, They beat Maxwell, Summerland, and then eventually fell to Neely Oakdale in the playoffs. Um, Their non-districts were actually Summerland um, in week zero. Um, And then they also had Stanton, Sandy Creek, and North Central in their their non-district games. Um, This district only has five teams, so if you're wondering why there's four non-districts, that's why. Um, Riverside was actually really hard for me to scout. Um, looks like they kind of wiped their, uh, YouTube clean of tape and then there's no, no stats, but I did, did find a, uh, one of their games to watch. And then obviously I kind of bounced some stuff off of you who got to see them in person also relied, uh, pretty heavily on some of their state track numbers. Um, so that helped quite a bit. This is a team that's losing a, a good amount, Austin, um, First of all, they're losing Carson Bloom, who was an absolute monster on the track. Uh, just as much of a monster as a defensive end, as a wing back on offense as well. Um, when you got that kind of track speed, I mean, you're you're able to fly and rally to the ball, and he was really good about that. They're all, also losing Caden Carrer, um, who uh, kind of appeared to me in the game that I got to watch as kind of the captain of the defense um, out of the safety spot. Really good open field tackler, the kind of guy that you want on the back end of your defense that can kind of be the last line of defense, but is also basically a heat seeking missile. If he can kind of see an opening to shoot at, they're also losing Andrew Crick, um, who looked really good as a power running back, had some really good burst, had a couple big, big plays in the game that I watched. Um, also losing Luke Leslie, who was a stout middle linebacker and a good blocker offensively. He was also their kickoff specialist and that, I'll kind of hit on that a little bit later on in this district, but having a good kickoff specialist is super important in eight man. Cause if you can get them to start clear back in their own territory and keep the, keep the ball away from a good returner, which a lot of these eight man teams have, that's, that's massive in terms of field position. Uh, they're also losing uh Kate and Kleffner, um, the six, two tight end wide receiver who was all district. Um, also losing Isaac Leslie, another good linebacker, uh, Braden Leslie, another good linebacker. Um, they're also losing the biggest loss that I think that that's going to be tough to replace is their nose guard and, uh, offensive lineman, David Lozano, super good, both sides of the ball, just a really good lineman that they're going to have to try and replace. Um, the good news is that they've got, um, well, he was a sophomore. Now he'll be a junior Dane Schalk. Um, who plays guard and defensive end. He was actually 10th in the discus at state track. Um, really good uh, interior lineman. Um, just really impressive. Also bringing back Jack Molt, who I know you're really high on. Another good state track guy. Um, was uh, 7th in the 100 and 8th in the 200 in Class D. So super, super good speed. Reads the holes well. Um, he'll be entering his junior season. I think he kind of takes a big step forward. And they're also bringing uh, back their quarterback in Drew Carrer. Um, 
and they run a really nice, really pretty uh, option offense. Super fun to watch. Um, really complicated in, in a way where you've got to be able to make the right reads. So bringing back that that quarterback who's got good legs, super important. Uh, Nicholas Berger, he's also back. Uh, probably going to be one of the top receiving options for this team. Um, pretty good defensive back as well. This is a team that's not super big up front. Um, but they, uh, but what they did have is they had some, kind of some guys on the sidelines that I think could be um, good size to kind of fill into that Lozano role. Uh, that's Caleb Fulton or maybe Colton Burnt. Um, Colton was actually all district as well, so maybe they kind of step in, kind of shuffle their line around a little bit to kind of put guys into their best fits. Um, but where this team doesn't have a ton of size, they've got speed everywhere, and that's something that you can't coach. And with using that. Uh, option offense they utilize it really well yeah it's a team that when i because i called their playoff win in uh, against Summerland for radio last year and you talk about the speed and the offense and it really just feels like a program where you've really where you've got guys whose talent really mesh well with this system when you talk about you, you talk about having Carrer back there really doing a great job managing that offense all the different speedsters that you talk about the verified track credentials that these guys bring to the table and so yeah I think you mentioned Lozano as being one of the more one of the more important losses because it, it's the thing that they don't have in spades is tons and tons of size up the middle and if they're able to just find the guys to kind of fill those gaps and create enough space you've got those explosive players the schedule stays tough I mean they've got Stanton they've got they played close games last year with Nebraska Christian Summerland and Ravenna they were able to come out on top of all of those I they may have to battle to stay on top in all of those games to keep just that one loss to try to have a one loss regular season record again but I still think this is a even if the regular season record isn't quite as sterling as it was last year, I still still think this is going to be a talented team and a dangerous team come playoffs again because of that explosiveness and what that offense can do. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're going against a team that can score in in one play that have that home run hitter, I mean, that's kind of the thing that we've been hitting at on some of the previous districts of what the teams are lacking. Well, this one's got a couple of them that can that can just kind of pop. Um, and so that that makes them very dangerous come playoffs time. Um, another team that's losing a losing a lot and going to be looking at a lot new a lot of new faces, and that's uh, the second team in the district. That was Nebraska Christian. They were three and one in the district, uh, losing to uh, Riverside. Um, they went eight and three in the regular season, or eight and three overall. Excuse me. Playoffs, they uh, beat Alma 38 to 36, and then they beat Thayer Central in a low-scoring battle that was 14 to 8, and then they eventually fell to Stanton, who uh, that game was 52 to 24. Outside of their Stanton loss, their other two losses were super close. Um, they lost to Wisner Pilger 40 to 34 in non-district play, and then Riverside, who we just talked about being their only district loss, that was a 19 to 13 score out in Cedar Rapids. Um, like I said, they're gonna gonna have a lot of replacing to do, especially in their skill positions. Their leading their leading rusher, Will Toogood, um, he had 181 carries for uh, over 1,100 yards and 13 touchdowns. Also had nine catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. Um, they're also gonna be losing Malachi Wheeler up front, who was blocking for Will, um, as well as kind of being disruptive on the defensive line. Um, 
They're losing Micah Davis, who was a tight end and a linebacker. Um, he had 13 catches for 204 yards and two touchdowns. Um, another one that I think is going to be a major loss for them is Gabe uh, Langmeyer, big-bodied receiver, first-team all-offense in the district, um, also a major presence on the defensive side of the ball. Um, also losing Terry Sebek, um, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, who was first-team all-district defense. Owen Morris, running back and defensive end, who was first-team uh district on defense uh are you seeing a trend here where they had a lot of guys on first team district defense um also losing elijah peters who played another linebacker spot and tight end a little bit of dn going on um a major loss for them is going to be drew purdue um running back defensive back who super good open field tackler and was dangerous in space um also he was first team defense see it see a trend here they're losing 385 of the 559 total tackles. That's almost 70% for you math nerds out there. Um, when when you've got four out of the eight of the first team all district defensive players and they're all seniors, that's going to be tough tough to re- tough to replace, especially when there's three out of the four of them were up front guys and defensive linemen and linebackers. The good news for Nebraska Christian is you're bringing back your quarterback in Oliver Herman, who was 55 for 155 for 109, and then he had 400, 745 uh, passing yards, 11 to 8 touchdown interception ratio, also had almost 100 carries for 314 yards and 8 touchdowns. The significant carries that are coming back are from uh, junior-to-be Brody Flynn, who had 16 carries for 53 yards and two scores. Was a major defensive piece um, for Nebraska Christian with 76 tackles. After those two that they're bringing back, it gets kind of hard to project who's going to be getting carries and who's going to be getting catches. Um, one guy that kind of jumps out to me that I think is going to get the ball a lot more this this year based off of what he did last year is uh, Vendel Juzik. Um, he was a state state medalist in jumping down at the state state track meet. Um, when I saw him in person, thought he looked like a really good athlete really explosive um he's also their kickoff specialist with 32 touchbacks on the season so i kind of expect for him after the track performance he put on and them having that many vacated carries and catches that he can kind of step into that role but kind of a bigger bodied kid um another one that i could see moving in on some of the carries and, and catches is jonah green um Brady Mythe, who will be a sophomore, he's he's another one that could be picking up some some touches as well. The other big piece that they do get to bring back is Gavin Falk, um, coming off of a really good season up front on the offensive and defensive line, um, as well as Eric Wu and Max Lee, who might be might be filling in for those uh, vacated lineman spots. Um, this is actually a team that. Uh, kicks field goals Austin I know we kind of don't see that very much in eight-man football um, that's actually a younger Purdue and he actually went 19 for 26 for extra points on the season so a little bit of a I mean they didn't they didn't attempt any actual f- true field goals just extra points but another something to have in kind of their back pocket but really this this team's going to look way different outside of a couple phases yeah and you talked about all those all district defensive guys that they had and they were just absolute they're outstanding on that side of the ball they only gave up over 30 points three times last season and they were one and two in those games so they really were able to win games with their defense being able to 
limit teams and slow teams down. We just talked about how much we loved that Riverside offense, and especially last year with some of those upperclassmen and Carson Bloom and all those guys, how explosive they were, held them to 19 points. That's that's something. That was an impressive, impressive defense, but you lose so much of that. And so you might even be looking at a new identity. Are you going to be able to find ways to be more explosive on offense to compensate for that? You've got your quarterback back. But like you said, beyond that, there's not a ton of super of, of super proven production coming on the offensive side of the ball. So it, it, Nebraska Christian's been a consistently solid program and has proven mostly to be able to kind of restock the cupboard and rebuild and put things back together and stay competent, stay competitive, stay in that winning way. But we'd be lying if we said they don't have a lot of questions that they're going to have to answer here this season. Yeah. Uh, the good news is in their non-district, they get Madison for week one. Um, so we'll, we'll get to see some of those new faces in that game. They also get Heartland and then uh, Wisner Pilger, who we mentioned was one of their losses last season. And then they actually play Sutton later on in the season as uh, their final non-district game. Um, but yeah, a lot of new faces. Hard hard to tell where they're going to finish on the season. Um, another another team that's they're not quite losing as much, um, but they'll definitely have some new faces in some key positions, and that's Ravenna. Um, they went two and two last season inside the district, seven and three overall. They beat Perkins County in the first round of playoffs before falling to Stanton, fifty-four to eighteen. Another team that was no stats, um, but this is actually a game I actually watched their game between Ravenna and uh, Nebraska Christian on YouTube. Um, no stats, but let me tell you, their atmosphere is absolutely amazing. Their stream, super good. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure their PA announcer is also the PA announcer for State Track. So if you've been down there, you know how good of a production that is. Um, super fun, fun watch, super good game to watch between those, these two district teams. Um, really just kind of an enjoyable experience. They are going to be losing... Uh, their starting quarter or their senior quarterback in Zachary Lewandowski um, was a super good, good patient runner with a good command of the offense that utilizes a lot of motion pre-snap. Um, they like to start their running back behind the quarterback, almost in like a pistol type formation. And then he'll uh, motion him side beside him before they run the play or they'll motion him out or uh, even sometimes a little bit of jet motion. Um, where they're really kind of losing a lot is up front. Um, they're going to be losing uh, Sam King up front, uh, Josh Abel, who was their center, uh, Tom Pesota, super big kid, uh, just really stood out to me as soon as I turned on the tape, um, really fills the gaps up well on defense and then on offense, really, really good uh, run blocker, um, kind of plays that right guard type position. Um and then another one that was kind of an inter interesting number in 63 in Chase Rager. I really thought he was going to be a uh, another lineman, but he's actually out there as a receiver. Pretty good hands, so that'll be tough to replace. Um, all those guys were really important defensively, so that, that'll be a tough, ta tough task to replace. But the good news is a lot of their production came uh, from underclassmen. Um, you've got Gavin Riesbeck uh, at the wide receiver spot, who was a freshman last season. Um, you'll have junior this year, uh, Grady Rasmussen, who's another wide receiver, um, pretty good height, good open field tackling as a sophomore last year. Um, really kind of impressive defensively in his coverages. Um, 
Ravenna will actually cycle those two in and out, or at least they did last season for their play calls um, to kind of keep their quarterback fresh from having to come off and up and down the side or back and forth across the sideline. Um, it's kind of interesting there how they rotate those guys. Um, they're also bringing back one of their top running top rushers in Caden Larson, um, who's a running back slash receiver with really good north to south cuts, uh, really good about kind of making one cut, getting his foot in the ground, getting upfield. Had uh, good, good, really good vision. Actually, had a long touchdown on just a straight up go route in that game against Nebraska Christian. Um, another good runner that they're bringing back is Carter Jasnock, um, who was actually listed as a tight end, but they kind of bring him in motion a little bit, kind of hand him off the ball at times. Um, he's actually my potential Lewandowski replacement at quarterback, um, just kind of the way that he runs, kind of the presence he has, the fact that he'll be a senior. Um, just, just kind of one of my guys that stood out to me that might be taking that quarterback role. Um, he actually took a run in the second quarter, completely untouched um, against Nebraska Christian. Um, really good top end speed. They're also bringing back uh, Keaton Shermer, um, who had made some really good tackles last season. So I kind of expect him to kind of step up a little bit. And then uh, Morgan Treffer. Um, does a really good job on the defensive line of getting pressure, especially in, in past situations. Um, so they, they bring back a good chunk and a lot of young production. Um, their big question is going to be who's going to kind of fill some of the, the bigger roles on the offensive line. And then who's going to take over for Zachary Lewandowski at quarterback um, in, in an offense that use, utilizes some motion. So you've got to kind of be on your, on your stuff. I mean, you got to kind of have control of the offense. Um, they get Ansley Litchfield, Southern Valley, Cambridge, and McCool Junction as their non-district games last year. So, I mean, they've got some games outside the district where they can really kind of figure some things out, Austin. Yeah, this is a interesting team with one that we kept our eye on so much during the season last year because they were one and seven in 21 before bouncing back and having the seven and three season here in 22 but you just kind of look at it's been a very very cyclical team i mean if you just if you roll back they were so seven and three one and seven four and four then they were seven and one again three seasons ago but and then if you just kind of roll back through the last and they've just kind of rotated that kind of in these three-year cycles where they have kind of a one to one to two year like contender level window and then they slept back down so can they kind of break that? Is this going to be one where they can put up those back-to-back years where they're competitive? The schedule is, it's not, you know, a world beater type schedule, but it's also not a cakewalk either. They're going to, they're going to be a proven team and it's going to be, but they're just going to be one that it's going to kind of be the back half of their schedule, probably where we really kind of learn who and what Ravenna is. Uh, I I think I like your I like the call of a tight end moving to of a guy that's listed as a tight end moving to quarterback. I I think just you know kind of you think about the build and especially a offense built around the quarterback run game what that can look like. I I think that's all. I think that sets them up to be able to still be a very similar looking team to how they were last year. But if they were able to win with some upperclassmen and just the strength that comes with that with those guys in the trenches losing those guys is that going to be that probably feels like the biggest thing that they're going to have to try to overcome if they're going to stay at that five, six, seven win level. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
any anytime you're losing guys up front, it's going to be tough. Um, and and who knows, some of these some of these other guys might take some leaps um, that maybe didn't pop out on that on that film that I got to watch and hit the weight room hard and kind of fill in for those roles. But it's tough to teach size, and they're going to be losing a little bit of it. Um, a team that's not really losing, the, really the last two teams in this district are not losing a lot, which is, I mean, we kind of get excited about teams that don't lose a lot, especially towards the bottom of the districts, because it give, it gives a lot of hope for these other teams. Um, so we'll go with the number four team. That was Arcadia Loop City. One and three inside the district, two and six overall. Um, they had Arapahoe, North Central, Shelby Rising City, and Highline for their non-district games. Um, so super, super tough non, non-district. Um, they came away with wins last season versus Pleasanton, who I'll get to here shortly, and then North Central. Um, but, the, but they were also breaking in a freshman quarterback, who I'll get to in a minute. Um, they lose their leading rusher in Hayden Griffith, who had 105 carries for 695 yards and five touchdowns. It was actually first team all district uh, in in on offense in the running back spot for this district. So out of all the guys that we've been talking about, he was actually the one that was selected. So pretty impressive there. He was also their leading receiver with 12 catches for 247 yards and two touchdowns. Led the team and set with 73 total tackles. So you can kind of see how he he was essentially the captain i mean was the captain of this team so he's going to be a tough one to replace um they're also losing some major pieces up front in uh brandon Placecheck on the offensive line who had 35 tackles defensively as well as chase lewandowski who had 41 tackles as well as big presence on the offensive line and then tanner lindblom had some really good blocks on the offensive side of the ball and good good defensive player as well but like i said they bring back a a lot. I mean, I already mentioned that they were breaking down a freshman quarterback in Brogan Setlick. Um, it was actually an all district linebacker second team um, playing quarterback. So he went 19 at 19 completions on 31 attempts for 391 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Anytime you can have a quarter freshman quarterback throw for zero interceptions, you're happy. No matter no matter how many times he's throwing the ball. Yes, it was limited workload, but no mistakes there. He did have negative rushing yards, so got to improve on that. It could have been a product of recovering some botched snaps or some missed handoffs when you're breaking in that freshman quarterback, um, especially when the fact that you're also they were also breaking in an all-district freshman running back as well at the same time in Tice Caleros. Probably butchered that, but oh well. And uh, he had 88 carries for 654 yards and three touchdowns. So the fact that you're bringing back a dynamic duo in your backfield is super important. Um, they also have guys like Trey Vanslake and, uh, Jackson Kuzik who on limited carries had really efficient yardages. Um, Trey Vanslake will actually be my guess to be the receiving yardage leader for the rebels this season. Um, then you got guys on the, that were really just kind of defensive specialists and as well as on the offensive line, um, in Jackson Ducker, who actually might get some more offensive touches, um, but was really important part of their defense. Um, Logan Coffin, um, Logan Carlson, excuse me. And then you got Max Lewandowski, who is all district as well. Uh, really just bringing back a lot defensively, um, especially with uh, Brogan and uh, Tice, who I already talked about. I mean, they bring back a lot, which is really exciting. Um, they have that t- a really tough non-district 
um, where they got to try to find at least two of those wins to build some momentum early before they get into the district play for a shot at playoffs. But Austin, we've been harping on it through all almost all these district previews. These young guys make big leaps, especially when you get them game speed reps. Yeah, exactly. They it's not just like, okay, these freshmen are gonna be sophomores. These freshmen played last year. They know what this game is. They've felt the hits, they've taken the they've seen the reps, they've got those, they've been in there with the bullets flying, they've got that action underneath their belt, and now so they're able to see and think the game at that next level. They take the physical step that comes with the maturity of going from a freshman to a sophomore, sophomore to a junior and all that with all these different guys. It's, I mean, there are, there are teams that had, you know, the two and six or worse records last season that we really have to fight and claw and look for ways to be able to say, listen, I think there's some upside here. This isn't one. This is one where it's pretty clear, pretty obvious to see Listen, you had a freshman quarterback that, like you said, was efficient. You had a freshman running back that got the all-district nod that clearly earned the respect of these teams around them. You talk about the productivity of the guys coming back. This is a team that you look at and go, yep, I very clearly see the road to marked improvement to getting to that 500 marker better and having a legit shot at being a playoff team this coming year. That's just it. I mean, we can we can dig and dig and dig, and you, you could be – one and seven, and we, we can come up with some something for you to be hopeful about. This is not a team that is hard to find hope exactly. And uh, so there's there's stuff to build on, which makes makes me think that they, they I'm, I'm saying there's a chance that they get into playoffs, which if you're building momentum, I mean, those are two, your, your backfield is going to be at two sophomores. If you can get them into playoffs as sophomores, the ceiling just kind of keeps going up every year and just kind of helps build that program. Um, another team that it's not that hard to find hope for and dig at is Pleasanton who finished fifth in the district. They were 0 and four in the district, 0 and eight overall, but their non-district schedule was tough. They had Highline, uh, Cambridge, Ansley Litchfield, and then Heartland at Heartland was actually at the end of the season for them. Um, they lose their star running back in uh, Traven Went, who had 143 carries for 635 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, was also their leading receiver with 18 catches for 200 yards. Um, also their leading tackler with 51. Um, but aside from Went, the only other person that they're losing as a senior is offensive lineman Blake Wilson. Which that that's two really tough guys to replace, two captains, two guys who have been around the program, but that's it. That's all you're losing. They also rocked a freshman quarterback last season in Brennan Lindner, um, who went 40 or completed 40 passes on 93 attempts for 382 yards and a three touchdown to two interception ratio. Also ran it 45 times for 139 yards and three scores. Um, they're also returning a lot of guys with significant carries, but. I'm betting that it'll be Copeland Carsons, who's actually a fullback, um, entering his senior year. I'm I'm betting he's going to be the lead lead running back, um, or lead lead fullback if you want to go that route. Um, last season he had 50 carries for 196 yards and four touchdowns, as well as seven catches for 78 yards and a score. Um, really good defensive player as well, so I kind of see him to kind of step into that captain role that went set the foundation for last season behind Carson's um, will be a full committee in uh, Luke Polowski 
uh, Gus Aregai, Gavin Sweener, Weston Lofelholtz, all guys with over 20 carries last season. They they truly like to have their one kind of lead guy, but then they like to have a full-on committee behind them. And the fact that they have the legs and have the guys to kind of cycle in and out of there and stay fresh, I think there's going to be a really good bonus for them this year. Um, the fact that all those guys had over 20 carries last season, somebody's going to emerge out of there. Somebody's going to have a really big season, hit a, gro- or a really good summer, hit a growth spurt, kind of just develop, essentially. Um, another guy that could really kind of pop is Cronin. That's my guess to be the leading receiver this season, as he was actually the leading receiver last year, had 10 catches for 147 yards and four touchdowns, um, as well as fellow uh, junior Gavin Stark, who's also going to be coming back in the receiving game with seven catches for 53 yards and a score. Um, Senior Taggett Nelson also had five catches for 94 yards and a touchdown. Um, he was actually the highest yards per catch guy on the team. So pretty, pretty efficient and had a six, four frame. So I kind of see him as one of those guys that you could kind of target a little bit more this upcoming season. Really the, the kind of other bright side that they're bringing back is they're bringing back a lot of linemen. I mean, you're only losing the one um, they're returning guys like Caden uh, Kieschel, Kaiser Dixon, Gavin Stark, uh, Keenan has, has an hour. All guys that are going to be super important on the offensive and defensive line. Um, it's worth noting that Copeland Carsons and Caden uh, Kieschel are returning second team all district defenders. So you're bringing back some good defensive players. Um, they had a close close game with Cambridge last season where it was 66 to 42. Um, I, I know we like to just kind of pick underdogs to make moves, but with a team bringing back this much and with the two guys out the door that kind of laid the foundation and got kept some of these guys. I mean, none of their games were just absolute blowouts. I mean, they put up points in every single game. They just got to figure out something in the, on the defensive side of the ball. And we always see these kind of younger guys take bigger steps defensively as they learn to hit, as they learn to grow into their bodies, learn to build speed, hit the weight room hard. I mean, this is a team that it's not hard to see an outcome that is much better than it was last season. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And it, like you mentioned off the top, this is a team, there's so many parallels with all of that when you compare Arcadia Loop City and Pleasanton both just in terms of the, listen, I understand last year was tough, but I've got a nice long bolded list of reasons that you can think this is going to be a better year. A thing that'll be really interesting to me to watch for Pleasanton when you talk about a team that likes to have a lead ball carrier I love the idea of taking your fullback, turning him into your lead guy, and then just cycling in the other guys. So you're basically so your committee is your home run hitters that work with your power guy. And I just feel like that sets you up even better to try to find those explosive plays that you need here and there just to keep things moving along in terms of listen, if we're cycling in the home run hitters, that means our sprinters are coming in with fresh legs. And I I find that very fascinating. Coming in with fresh legs and coming in a against a defense that's used to a guy that maybe not the top end speed, but is going to put his shoulder into you. And when you go to take a certain angle and all of a sudden the guy's running away from you, that, that that's what it's bringing. When you move that fullback to your lead carrying, um, you'll, you'll see it cross County. I would imagine with Dickie, who is not slow by any means, but they have some other top top end speed guys behind him, but he's going to be the lead ball carrier. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's, uh, Carson's just kind of 
basically softening up the defense and then cycling in some of these young guys that can just kind of hit hit that 30, 40 yard touchdown run. Yeah, more than one guy that you're comfortable with as a change of pace guy lets you throw a lot of different pitches and it can it can make it interesting. So again, a couple teams that were at the bottom last year that have a shot to bring a lot back and look and look good. The teams towards the top still trust them, but they got a lot to replace. So that's your D17 with Riverside, Nebraska, Christian, Ravenna, Arcadia, Loop City, and Pleasanton. So We'll switch gears here into one the, the one that I got to do for this week. And I was telling you this during the week, Tyler, as I was doing my prep. And this one is going to be far less number heavy and far more eye test heavy for me because this is a team, a, a crop of teams that just through all the different sports that I'm able to get my eyes on and cover around here. These are, these are teams that I do a lot of different games for, have seen a lot of different action for for all of the teams in this district, and that's D24. And we're going to start with the class of D24 last year, and that was Ainsworth, obviously led by Carter Nelson, the top recruit in the state. They went um, nine, they went nine and one last year, eight and zero in the regular season. Won the program's first ever playoff game before they, you know, I believe they beat Loomis before they lost in the second round to Elm Creek. Uh, like I said, that's the first time they've ever won a playoff game. I think that was the first time since 1990 that they've had a winning season. And it's I, based on what they were able to do last year and the amount that they bring back this year, I don't think it's out of line to say we're in the middle of probably the two best years in the history of Ainsworth Bulldog football. But this year being year two of that with all these stars being seniors that probably means that this program is walking into 2023 with the highest expectations it's ever faced. Uh, the key losses are going to be Landon Holloway, Ethan Furnow, and Ian Finley. Furnow was kind of a depth piece skill position guy. Holloway and Finley were key parts of the line. Holloway was fifth in tackles and tied for second in sacks. Just a kind of long inside-outside pass rusher. Finley was the def- was the defensive tackle, nose guard, and center for this team. And he's an interesting one in terms of replacement because there wasn't anybody else getting consistent reps with the starters that kind of matches that body type matches that build to really anchor on the interior. So that'll be an interesting one to watch them replace. But when you talk about returners, this team's got, you know, the tip top of the stars, Carter Nelson, tight end quarterback, running back, receiver, linebacker, safety. He's, he's the do it all flex guy. I believe 40 total touchdowns last year led the team in rushing and receiving was second in passing. And the reason he was second in passing is because of his teammate, Tregan McNally, who we mentioned when we were talking recruiting earlier on today, McNally was, I think the number two receiver then was the top target for Nelson when Nelson went back to take the snaps. And so those guys really kind of are what set the tone for your offense. And then your, your third kind of offensive piece that really showed out last year. Morgan Kinney was really, really explosive. I think was over seven yards per carry as a running back cornerback combo as a sophomore Trey Appelt, who we mentioned. And I think I don't, I, I want to make sure I give him the appropriate flowers here because I mentioned it a little bit, but I just want to hammer again. This is a guy that was a cross country runner two years ago was a two turned into a junior. I'm sorry. Let me start over and actually use my words correctly. Two years of high school cross country, freshman and sophomore. I'm assuming he played some junior high football. But now, as a junior, switches over to the football team. 
two-way starter for a team that goes undefeated and wins the program's first ever playoff game and now is getting some legitimate kind of D2 level attention as a football recruit. That's incredibly impressive. And I'm really interested to see what a full, a second full summer of football work turns out for Appel. He could actually have a really exciting season in terms of his growth. Uh, Jacob Held looks like he'll be a tough, important part of the linebacking core. Owen and Riggin Blumenstock, both valuable pieces. Bloom, uh, Owen, more of a wide receiver linebacker. Riggin, uh, defensive end and defensive and guard slash tackle size. Uh, Arian Gucci is a name I wanted to throw out there. He rotated in on the offensive line, and he's a guy that I have got my eye on. He doesn't have that same build as Finley. He's a little bit longer and lankier, or at least was last year. But getting those reps last year on that line, he could be a guy that's in line to have a bigger role. But when I talk about a team who the big question that I am wondering is who, where they're going to go for their interior line. It's tricky when I, the biggest question that I have for this Ainsworth team in terms of just how far can they go with all that star talent is matching other teams physicality. You go back and look at what the games that they weren't just completely dominated in last year. EPPJ absolutely had them on the ropes with that, with that dominant front until the two engines of their offense went completely bust and they just couldn't just couldn't find a way to move the ball anymore when they watched their two seniors get hurt. Uh, St. Mary's, not the not the strongest or biggest St. Mary's team from a size perspective uh, that you've as you've ever seen, but always a, always a tough out. They just are always always heavy hitters, and they gave Ainsworth all that they could handle when Ainsworth came to O'Neill. And in their one loss of the season in their playoff game against Elm Creek, they were held to 21 rushing yards on 20 carries. They couldn't. They just they weren't able to get things done in the trenches the way that you really kind of need to, to win at the absolute highest level. So like, I want to bet on guys taking the next step. Like I said, I'm really high on what Trey Appel can do this year. And I think he'll be an important part of that front on both sides of the ball. I think Morgan Kinney is going to grow into a more consistent, uh, just as he bulks up a little bit going from his sophomore to his junior year. I think he's going to be a guy that, yeah, is still explosive, but is also able to just kind of shoulder a little bit more of a workload between the tackles and should help be part of helping keep them on schedule. So they're not so reliant on just getting the explosive chunk yardage plays. Um, if they're able to, the first thing I'm checking when they take the field against North central open season is who's going to be snapping the ball. What is What are what are they doing on the interior of that offensive line? Um, and how, and how do they look? Because if this team can shore up and feel like they're actually they're able to do those consistent strong things across the middle, again, Tragan McNally, Carter Nelson, Morgan Kenny, the the top end talent is there. If they can find a way to just be physical and consistent, it's a team that you you're you're hesitant to put a ceiling on what they really can accomplish. Yeah, and it, and it, they're a tough team to kind of scheme against because of the fact, like you talked about, where they move Carter Nelson and Traeger McNally around a little bit. I mean, it's almost like you you have to have your linebackers and defensive backs always locked in, always kind of checking in who's in the backfield, who's motioning out, what 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 do they run in these formations? Um, really, just kind of a tough team to scheme around. Um, take away the fact that they have the D D one talent as well as some D two talent on that team. Um, so not, not only the talent gap, but just the scheming aspect of it. 
Um, you factor that in and the fact that most teams are not going to have somebody big enough to cover Carter Nelson on just kind of the jump ball go route or post route that they like to run with him. Um, so that's going to take away two defenders usually. And usually you got to bracket him, um, which Elm Creek kind of did later on. Um, but when you take away those two defenders, that opens things up for guys like um, Morgan Kinney or Tregan McNally on a quarterback keep, stuff like that. Um, just a tough team to scheme against, though, where they kind of move guys around a lot, um, which which makes things super hard. Might also actually be cutting into their consistency a little bit with having to move guys to different roles. Um, so I'm curious to see how they kind of approach that with the team that they've got coming back. Yeah, again, they're Carter Nelson is as big a star as we have in this sport right now. They've got other legitimate talent. This is a team that's going to have plenty of eyes on them, including ours, and it's because they're talented, they're fun, they have the chance to be an incredibly special team in terms of the winning that they're able to do on the field this season. So the Ainsworth Bulldogs are just going to be, you know, top of everybody's watch list this season, obviously. Uh, next up, D24 was... Uh, Elgin Public, Pope John, EPPJ, they were 6-3 and three last year. They lost in the first round of the playoffs to Twin Loop. Real frankly, this was a legitimate playoff contender, or a legitimate like championship contender coming off of a semifinal run until the injuries derailed them. Mentioned um, that they, they had those injuries. They've cropped up against Ainsworth, their star running back, Jack Wemhoff, and their four-year starting quarterback, Peyton Hofer. Those guys both went down with injury in that game, and that cost them the remainder of their seasons. They were able to put together a decent little finish there. Kale Kinney and Austin Good stepped up into the running back and quarterback roles respectively and had incredible performances offensively against St. Mary's. I believe that game, yeah, that was enough, that was their other regular season loss as well before that playoff loss to Twin Loop. But those guys stepped up and had really nice performances, but they were also seniors. So you're starting running back, starting quarterback, gone. Productive backup quarterback and running back, both also gone. Carter Beckman and Ethan Hinkle were really important line pieces for this team. They're also out the door. So that that's a heck of a squad, those six guys that I just listed off. That's a dang good team that just walked out the door. But there's still an interesting crew of guys coming back. Dylan Luking and Blake Hen are guys that you and I just really like. You and I like these guys' this game. Luking had seven catches for 244 yards and three touchdowns last year, led the team in tackles with 138. Blake Hen, 12 catches for 296 and five. He was up there as tackles as well. Luking, a little bit more of a linebacker. Hen more, plays more of a defensive end on the defensive side of the ball, but offensively, they're just about as dynamic of a tight end. When you talk about a duo and what they can bring but as complete blockers and receivers, it's tough to find a team that's got a better set. Uh, Nick Anderson and Sam Hemingway were linemen that I expect to, that'll bounce, come back and really help kind of anchor the up front. Again, this is a team that really relied on its physicality to stay consistent last year. So you're talking two hand in the dirt tight ends, two interior linemen coming back. And then Taylor Beckman, He'll be a junior this year. He is their leading returning rusher. He had 185 yards and two touchdowns on just 34 carries. He was second on this team in tackles last year, but a, he's their leading returning rusher, but he wore 99 last year. So I don't know, <laughs> you know, high school numbers always get interesting, but you're wondering, but I, I can't help but wonder if that 99 is indicative of a potential position switch for Beckman later on here in his career. So it'll be interesting to see who's actually getting the touches. 
because uh, Beckman is the only guy who's coming back that went over 100 rushing yards last year uh, at the quarterback spot. Kellen Hofer, uh, the younger brother of Peyton, looks like the favorite to replace him, but they're going to have to build a run game around him to support him. Um, he had just he had really limited reps last year, so yeah, he's going to have look have what looks to be a good line in front of him, have some reliable targets he could throw the ball to. But again, this is a team that has lived and died by their run game under Coach Wemhoff out there, and so can they find the guys? Can they find the horses to feed to try to keep that thing going again? I. I think we talk about all the size and the linemen that they've got coming back. I think they'll still be able to play the bully ball. If they're able to find the explosive plays to go along with it. Again, that's what derailed them last year is they had these incredible explosive talents in Hofer and Wemhoff. They lost those guys. They were able to piece together enough to get through the season, but it ultimately derailed them. If they can find the kind of the top end explosive talent to pair with the line again, a team that has a chance to be, really, really competitive at every point of the season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you already hit on Luking and Hen as two guys that we really like. Those are two guys that we probably could have talked about at the top of the show as guys that we both see as guys that could play next level. Um, not quite sure on what division they could get looks from, but they've got good frames, good just overall athletes and in, in a high high need or high position needs. Um but yeah, two guys that are just really, really good on the ends of your line um, where they like to run the those sweep uh, or toss type plays. You got to have good blockers on the outside. And those those two are like perfect examples for that. And then really the receiving comes on the play action out of that. Um, yeah, just a team that looked like they were just kind of cruising, kind of building themselves um, for a, another deep playoff run. I mean, we actually got to call their game two years ago between uh, them and Bloomfield. That was where they just, they just looked dominant. They just looked like they had it all together and they only lost pretty much one, one guy in Caleb Bright that year. Um, really just kind of got derailed by the injuries. Um, but that, that got some different guys, some different looks. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who, who they kind of funnel in and replace. Um, EPPJ is one that they don't really rebuild. They just kind of reload. So I'm curious to see how losing that many, of your kind of depth pieces and key starters kind of changes the, the wolf pack. Yeah. Again, a team that has felt, I felt very comfortable. Like I knew what I was getting with them across the last four years. I, I called a game of theirs and when Hoffenhofer's freshman year against CWC, who we'll get to here in a little bit. But so I feel like I've seen a lot of these guys and have been pretty comfortable with it, knowing who I was going to see when I rolled up to watch an EPPJ game, be it football or basketball across the last handful of years. And some things are going to be different now. And it's going to be interesting to see who and what and how that all comes together. Uh, next team up here in D24, that is the St. Mary's Cardinals out of O'Neill. Six and three last season. They lost in the first round to Central Valley. And going into the year, you felt like this was just due to be a down year. They had a super senior class that was Awesome on the football field, incredible on the basketball court. And those guys were all, you talk about Aiden Hedstrom, Tate Thompson, I uh, not I, Adam Everett, uh, Charlie Barlow, just some incredibly productive players that went out the door of Gabe Pribbles, another one I don't want to not mention his name as well. 
then those so those guys were gone you know stars absolute stars but then gage headstrom the younger brother of aiden headstrom just rockets onto the scene as a freshman quarterback was i hard for me to imagine a freshman quarterback defensive back combo doing more and being more productive than what headstrom was and not just being productive but being productive in a way that drove winning um and with him having that breakout and then you've got some seniors that maybe played smaller roles with those when those stars were those stars ahead of them were still around. They kind of followed it up with their own breakout campaigns in their final season. And that really came together to build a, what was a really nice season, I thought, for the Cardinals. Um, the guys that they're losing, Isaac Everett, Wyatt Schofield, Joe Weesey, all graduating, Dalton Alder, who passed away tragically this spring as well. But those are the four guys that were big contributors That'll be gone. Alder and Everett from the skill spots, Schofield and Weesey and the line. Um, it's a small roster. You, you just look at total numbers. It's about as small as any roster you'll find for a team that's not made the jump down to six-man football. So we've got a pretty good feel for returners just because a good number of these guys wind up getting on the field. But it also means that if there's any eighth graders that are coming in as freshmen that'll have it that you know have the ability have the physical build to hang in the high school game similarly to how Hedstrom did last year if they've got somebody you like that coming in they've got a shot to compete for snaps right away but the guys coming back Gage Hedstrom an absolute monster the realest of deals on both sides of the ball but I am interested because he was an incredibly skilled good pat productive passer last year but his best receiver, Isaac Everett, is gone. I think the Lincoln Journal star had Everett as a first-team All-State wide receiver in eight-man football. So that's an incredibly important player. Um, the next top two rushers behind Headstrom were Everett and Alder. So both of those guys are gone. So I think we're going to see an even bigger emphasis on the QB run game this season. I think he had about 600 yards last year. It would almost shock me if you don't see a thousand yard season on the ground out of Hedstrom this year. Uh, talk about him losing targets, but Carson Danabring will be the guy that'll probably be the lead target getter this year. Came along nicely as a tight end last year, showed me some stuff that I didn't know he had in his game and looks like he's got the ability to be a reliable top type target for Hedstrom. I think he was their number two receiver last year. Just a really nice overall player. Uh, Riskin Dawson is a guy who's going into his junior season who I'm personally very high on just from the little bits that I've seen of him. He's a really explosive guy. If he gets ahead of steam on a straight line, he can just absolutely run away from guys. So I think he's a, he'll be a nice weapon that this offense can use to help kind of build, build a balanced attack around what Hedstrom does. Uh, Jace Rosencrantz is a very talented guy who is, uh, I believe, going into his junior year. Um, spends most of his time at fullback. Spend, plays a little tight end. Could probably be like, could probably be a star level tackle if he wanted to be an incredibly just a well built kid, very talented wrestler. So he's just an all around size guy that is important, especially on the defensive side of the ball when you talk about playing kind of a linebacker defensive end hybrid role. Uh, some line guys that'll probably have bigger roles this year. Jack Gettison, Matthew Coolmoose, Sam Barlow, Ruger Kraft, all guys that I expect to I expect to take a step forward and play bigger roles. Again, if there's any eighth graders coming up as freshmen, they'll have an opportunity to get on the field as well. And one other thing I did want to note is this was a team that played Osmond in as part of this rotation. And since it looks like Osmond will not be playing a varsity schedule this fall, this I as far as I know, St. Mary's is still a team that might be on the prowl 
for an eighth game if they're looking if they're even looking to fill that slot. Yeah, um, I know we've had a couple teams reach out about um, replacing that kind of Osmond game. Um, some of them are just kind of thinking, oh, we'll just take the bye week based on where it lands. Um, get some of our guys healthy, uh, especially as some of them are getting kind of close to playoff time. Um, but like you were talking about, Austin, as Gage Hedstrom goes, so does so do the St. Mary St. Mary's Cardinals. Um, and I think you hit on the the big thing about Gage right away is that it he was super impactful in all all levels of the game, whether it was special teams returning returning kicks and punts for touchdowns, um, offensively, defensively, just kind of drove the Cardinals in, towards those wins and kind of building that winning culture. Um a kid that I we watched, I'm you and I stood and watched play basketball last season against Bloomfield, where you could just tell that there's several guys on this team, especially Gage, that just hate to lose. I mean, we talk about it all the time, where there's guys that like to win, and then there's guys that just absolutely hate to lose. You and I are both guys that hate to lose anything. It's why we aren't allowed to play sports against each other anymore because somebody always ends up hurt. Uh, Gage is one of those kids. All those headstrom kids have, have been ones that kind of stood out to me as kids that just hate to lose. And when you get guys like that, especially in kind of leadership roles, young roles like that, that helps kind of build culture. I mean, when you get multiple guys buying in that, hey, we're not going to win them all, but we're not going like we're not going to be the reasons that we lose them. It's gonna it's got to be the team. The other team has got to be full on better than us. We're not going to beat ourselves. Type guys. Um, going to be super, super impactful, but like you said, they lose a lot. And so I'm curious to see the different guys between like Dan and bring and Dawson and just, just the guys that they kind of replace and what they might have coming up. Um, like you said, super small roster. So got it, got to find some, some guys to step into some big roles. Yeah. And the only, the only thing that really comes with that small roster is listen, you know who you're going to see on the field and mm-hmm. there's not an option for the coaches to go anywhere else. I'm a big, big fan of, listen, let the big dogs eat. Let the let your best guys just get the touches. St. Mary's does that, and I think your call on St. Mary's is another one of those teams you and I spend so much time talking about, the winning culture, just the belief that what we do here is win. Clearly, Coach Tony Allen has built that at St. Mary's. They've been that type of a program. Not to say that they never have down years, but they're never, ever going to be a team that you feel like is an easy out, and when you've got that kind of culture and have a couple of star players to bring into it. That's when you can have bank on having a really fun couple of years. And with three more years of gauge Hedstrom and whatever else they could build around him, I think you're in for a couple of really fun years here again with this St. Mary's Cardinals football team. Uh, next up in the district was CWC chambers, Wheeler central. Uh, they were two and six last year. Their two wins coming against these next two teams that we'll talk about here in this district. Uh, your big losses are going to be Solon Bowen, who is kind of a tight end wide receiver safety. Peter Jesse, tight end tackle type. Blake Walensky, Brady Renner, also lineman as well. So a lot of kind of a lot of kind of your bigger bodies, especially in Jesse Walensky and Renner. Solon Bowen was a really really nice all around athlete for CWC, and I think he's a guy that they'll miss in terms of his just. He was a guy who played with that winning mentality as well. He just kind of was a do-it-all. They would use him all over the place, rusher. He would rusher, receiver. He was their, I think he wound up being their backup quarterback. They just did all sorts of things with Solon Bowen across his whole career. And so that's a guy, I think, as a leader that they're really going to miss. 
Uh, but some key returners here for the Renegades. Hunter Hurley uh, is going into his senior season as the quarterback. This will be his second year as the starter. Last year, he had 464 yards, five touchdowns, and eight interceptions passing. He led the team in rushing with 483 and three, and was also the team's leading tackler. Just your classic quarterback safety combo. And he's who the offense is going to run through. They like to kind of run a spread a spread system and get guys in motion and as opposed to running with a running back in the backfield, they usually run with a slot back that gets into motion. That becomes their ball carrier. And the guy that's probably going to get a lot of those touches is going to be Cooper Picorni. He's rising into his junior season. Now last year, he had 209 yards and three touchdowns on the ground, 17 catches for 149 yards and two touchdowns. He was the team's number three tackler. And this is a kid. He's not the biggest guy. He's just kind of a well-built, slot back style guy, but he's got a real kind of water bug aspect to his game. A guy that really, I really enjoyed watching go last year and somebody that I'll be really interested to see and kind of where his development goes. And now as this, as he's maturing into what should be a higher volume role in this team as well. And again, a team that runs an offense that I usually have a pretty good time watching. So He'll be a fun flex weapon, I think. Gunnar Hurley uh, was the number six tackler last year. He'll be the number three returning tackler behind the two guys I just mentioned, Hunter and Picorni. And he'll be an important part of that line. The, I mentioned they'll go kind of they'll go three down linemen with four receivers and uh, and then the single set quarterback a lot. So I think Hurley will be a big part of those three down linemen in those type of alignments as well. Other guys that'll play a role in there. Jake Habercheck, Zach Miner, Mason Knox look like guys that'll be handed the dirt style guys. Eli Hines, the uh, junior running back linebacker combo. He should be a guy that's in that mix in terms of additional guys getting touches as they look to build out a balanced offense around Hurley and Picorni as well. But all in all, I, again, it's a team that's losing a bit. So hopefully they can kind of reset things and reconfigure themselves on the interior a bit. But really, the the path to growth here for the CWC Renegades, it's going to be Hurley in his second full year as a starter, becoming not just an athlete out there playing, but becoming a true quarterback that can really run this fun system, and Cooper Bricorni becoming that fully actualized flex weapon for them. Yeah, and this is the CWC team that when you look at the team that finished above you in the district and St. Mary's losing as much as they do and essentially on paper looking like a one trick pony right now, you've got to kind of be licking your chops thinking, okay, if we can just get a couple guys to truly just kind of make some leaps, we can move up in this district and we can, we can shoot for those playoff spots. Um, but yeah, uh, corny, one of the guys that I kind of got to see the most of super, like you said, super fun, like mover, just kind of skates around a little bit. Um, but yeah, just getting a couple guys to take some big leaps defensively, I mean, they could move up quickly. Yeah, they really could. And I, they've had high caliber seasons in very recent years at CWC. So don't be surprised to see those guys that kind of have the opportunity to step up and step forward this year, take advantage of that. Uh, next up, Boyd County. Spartans went one and seven last year. Key loss is going to be Xander Kluckman and Tim Atkinson. Uh, Kluckman was an important tight end, was really kind of the big, the biggest part of their receiving game. Atkinson struggled with health a little bit more here to finish out his career, but it'd been a really important piece, especially offensively for them throughout uh, everything else that comes back and 
for the first time in a couple of years, it feels like things might be put together here for Boyd County to turn the corner. I think uh, my first year doing radio back in 2018, I believe they went four and four. And I don't know if they've won more than a single game in a season since then. But again, there's I'm going to I'm, I'm going to go through the names and the talent here because I think this is finally maybe starting to come together up there in Spencer. And when you talk about the returners, you have to start with Hudson Hoffman. He's going to do his junior season as a running back linebacker, 822 yards and 12 touchdowns rushing last year, uh, 13 carries, 13 receptions for 151 yards and three scores, led a team with 114 tackles flat out one of the most dangerous kick returners in eight man football right now. Just an absolute nightmare. Nobody wants to see this guy with the ball with a head of steam. He just absolutely jets down the field. And this, this kid's just a special talent that you can build your entire offense around. He's got a great mind for the game. He's got a great nose for the ball as evidenced by that 114 tackles on the defensive side. If he takes a step forward to where he becomes as he matures, here from the sophomore to the junior season where it's more of less of just like, listen, this guy's just a dangerous home run hitter. That's got a good nose for the game to where this guy is a physical presence that can really truly dominate you on both sides of the ball. That could be the biggest thing here because there's just enough in some of these other guys around him that if they have that guy that can completely control the game, if Hoffman can be that dude, which I would, I would like to think that the talent is in there for him to potentially do that. If that's this year, I think this team could be much, much different. Um, other guys coming back, Deegan Johnson is a senior tight end slash linebacker. He had 100 tackles last year as well. Brett Keenan was the other running back linebacker. He had 47 tackles, was probably their best coverage guy. Also had 256 yards and a score on the ground. Darius Hansen was quarterback safety, and he he's a good athlete and will probably be an important part of this team, even if he's not quarterback. And the reason he might not be quarterback is because Charlie Adams is a freshman last year. He played some quarterback and he actually led this team in passing and was the number three rusher. So as he goes from his freshman to sophomore season, maybe Hanson who's go moving out as a, I believe Hanson's going into his senior season this coming year. So maybe they look more at flexing Hanson out into just more of a, make him a tight end, make him a receiving option. Somebody that Adams can rely on as Adams with as a sophomore quarterback that looks to have some real potential if he can step in and make plays here and they can just build more around him and him and Hoffman as the backfield of the future. Uh, Cash Sinclair, Blake Provines, and Carson Hahn are probably going to be your important guys, your important guys along the line. But again, I just between watching these guys play basketball, watching the grit that they play with, Hudson Hoffman as a true star that has a chance to come up, a quarterback that's going from his freshman to his sophomore year that looks like he's got a chance to be an impact starter at that position. I again, I don't want to over it you can you can get out over your skis, a team that hasn't won a ton of games the last couple of years, but it I do feel really good about this Boyd County roster, uh, certainly compared to how I felt about it in years past. Yeah, uh, you kind of talked about the basketball aspect from this team. I got to watch them a lot this basketball season, um, and they played every single team tough. Like, it did not matter talent-wise what kind of, like, what kind of offense the other teams were running. They just played everybody tough, where they just worked you for four straight quarters and weren't a, like 
absolutely fearless team did not did not fear anyone and so i'm curious to see how they translate that to the football field um you've hit on hudson hoffman a bunch really good just three sport athlete just across the board athlete um i i don't think you're getting out over your skis where you're i mean this is a team that i could easily see with the way that some of the teams ahead of them are losing some guys um if the right guys take a step i mean we're, we're going to run out of playoff spots if we keep saying these teams can make playoffs. <laughs> these teams can make playoffs. Uh, you get a playoff bid. You get a playoff bid. But I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for Boyd County, especially if they play this football season as tough as they played last basketball season. Um, another team that's going to be looking, I don't know if they've replaced uh, that Osmond game yet on their schedule for week one. Um, but depending who they replace that with, that that could be one where they kind of really get some momentum going early in the season. I think they picked up Randolph for their zero week. Okay. So yeah, that's a good, and that's, I think that's a good game for both teams. We'll get into Randolph, I think next week, but I think that'll be a really real. I think that was a good matchup and a good pickup for both of those teams for this season. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent agree with that. Uh, So Boyd County again, feeling good about them, but I, this last team that we're going to talk about is part of the reason I'm trying to keep myself reined in in my optimism because last season I thought the Niagara-Vertigree Cougars were set up for a better season. I thought they were primed to have, what again, that season where they could win three, four games and try to make that, try to make that back into the last two, three spots of the playoff push. But it just, it just never materialized for them. Um, key losses going out the door. Dante Husto was their number two rusher. He led them in receiving. He was their number two tackler. Walker Kutros is a tight end linebacker. Uh, Kellen Moody was their leading tackler, an important part of their offensive line. Gunnar Shabram was on that offensive line as well, and he was their number four tackler. So you got an explosive piece there in Husto, as, as well as some of your better linemen in Moody and Shabram out the door. Um, your key returners, it starts with Cody Wickersham. He's going to be your Running back, linebacker, led them in rushing last year with 560 yards and five scores. Cash Wickersham was the starting quarterback last year as a freshman. Um, He was 43% completion, 368 yards, three scores, four picks, 196 and three scores on the ground. So, again, just a freshman. So, not not outstanding numbers, but did enough and showed enough that you're thinking there's some real athleticism here and a chance for him to maybe grow. Uh, Brady Cohen is as a running back linebacker combo. Weston Bauer, he's their leading returning tackler, defensive end, tight end. Uh, Ian Pavlik will be an interior lineman. I think that's important for him. And Kellen Vasily listed as a fullback linebacker. And then you wonder if he's going to wind up being a guy that kind of bumps that. Maybe he bumps from a fullback to a tight end. Maybe one of those guys that was a tight end last year slides inside as they just try to replenish replenish that line up front there because I do think Cash and Cody Wickersham have some legitimate explosive talent, some the ability to make some plays if they're able to generate some blocks and some gaps in front of them. Um, otherwise, I, this team is this, this should be their second year under head coach Jeff Shabram who came up from Clearwater Orchard. And Coach Shabram put together some really, really nice years when he was down at Clearwater Orchard. And then he was there at Summerland, I think. for I think he had one year as part of the Summerland co-op before he made this move up here to Niagara-Vertigree. But he's a coach that has had some high-quality winners. And so I do like the idea of what he can do in terms of building this team out. This is a team that has not had tons of success across the years. 
I do think that they are in the process of a culture reset, uh, but I do think that there is some talent there to go along with that. And I think that there it will be an opportunity for them to again push and try to try to take a step forward because if either of those two teams in front of them stubs their toe and isn't quite what we thought maybe what we thought they were that they were going to be coming into this year, I think Nyberg Verdigree should hopefully put themselves in position to take advantage of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you look at last year when they played Boyd County, that was a 30 to 28 loss, so a close one there. Um, in a non-district loss that they had, uh, they lost to Creighton 42 to 6. Um, we kind of talked about it in Plainview's district where Creighton's losing two of their kind of top guys in terms of transferring. Um, so maybe that that kind of changes things a little bit in that matchup. Um, they played Humphrey Lindsay Holy Family Tough 32 to 16 in week one. So there's there's chances to pick up some wins instead of some losses in some in some of these games. Um, and so there's there's some optimism there. Um, a lot of teams that are in yours and my district um, this week are actually going to be over in Wayne um, here in, in just a couple weeks. So I'm curious to see how things go out there in Wayne um, for some of the reports out there to see kind of how these teams have kind of moved some guys around, who's showing up this summer, um, who's moving weight around in the weight room, and kind of who's who's taking advantage of these months where they're not banging pads. Um, but yeah, I, I can, like we said, we don't want to get over our skis, but there's, there's wins to be had on that schedule based on what we've seen from some other teams. If people don't take advantage of the summer opportunity. Yeah, exactly. This is a, there's, there's opportunity. And if you put yourself in the position in the weight room, then you and I are both big believers in what that can do in terms of, helping raise the floor for a program and for what guys are able to accomplish. That's where, that's where you take advantage of that. So again, that's D two four with Ainsworth, EPPJ, St. Mary's CWC, Boyd County and Niobrara Verdigree. And then we also got through D one seven there with, with Riverside, Nebraska, Christian Ravenna, Arcadia loop city and Pleasanton. But I think that does it for the previews. But um, we're both hopeful for some big things coming here, coming in these next couple of weeks, Tyler. We're trying to get things set up here to ha- maybe have some more, some more content and some more stuff for everybody in terms of what you're able to see, see here and do on our website here. Trying to have that ready to go before the season kicks off here in August. Yeah, I mean, as we as we kind of close out some of these district previews, um, just trying to get you guys just to be able to make the most out of what, what kind of content we're able to give. Um, also kind of some stuff that's going to be going on outside of the football season. So we kind of keep ourselves in the loop and honest and kind of on the ball all, all season long. Um, really excited there. Um, keep an eye on the, if you haven't checked out the website yet, head on over there. Um, it's linked on all of our socials. Um, Austin did a really good job setting that up. Um, we're we're going to be getting some some more written content up there for you guys. Um, be sure and check out the store for the merch aspect part of it. We're going to get some more designs up there and kind of some get the store going here in the next next couple of weeks before the season kicks off. Um, I've had some people reach out about support. Um, we're kind of in terms of supporting the show, we're kind of still building that model. Um, probably more to come with that in terms of next week and in terms of ha- ways that you can kind of support the show. Um, but 
as of right now, just keep sharing, liking, commenting. Um, let us know if we do something wrong. Let us know if we do something right. We love all feedback. No feedback's bad. Um, really just been a lot of fun um, this this summer, just kind of keeping things going with these district reviews and kind of building some momentum going into the season. And uh, we had some kind of cooler weather this, this past week. And in fact, I actually wore a hoodie to work this morning. Um, so I'm excited for fall. I feel it's, it's still a ways out, but it feel if this morning it felt like it and it got me excited. Yeah. Listen, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be doing a podcast about high school football if we weren't able to get excited about it easily, but we're going to be looking forward to that. It's going to be here before we know it. But besides that, make sure you subscribe, rate review on for the podcast, wherever you're listening to it. And other than that, Tyler, I think that's going to do it. Yep. Have a good week guys.